Welcome to Speaking of Strong Style, where we discuss the news, issues, and events surrounding New Japan Pro Wrestling. I am Stephen Conway. With me, as always, Jeremy Finestone. We're contributors to the Fight Game Media Network, and we are still coming down off the high of the G1 finals and semifinals, two terrific shows from Sumo Hall last week. Uh, Jeremy, we've had a few days to digest, and uh, how are you feeling coming off of that? We've got a lot of things set up for the fall to look forward to. <laughs> I am, I'm frankly exhausted, man, and I think I spent one day this past week watching no wrestling whatsoever. I think I binge-watched <laughs> Secret Invasion getting ready for the new Star Wars show next week. We're in the queue of the stuff in the backlog and generally just happy to... Happy to take a breather. Now ready to get back into it and, and talk some New Japan, my man. Yeah, I know. I'm catching up on uh, Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. Managed oh, to get yep, up yep. to date on that, watching that. But uh, yeah, and uh, Colin is here. Colin, welcome. Glad you're here, buddy. Uh, looking forward to talking about some uh, final G1 thoughts today. And then we're going to preview the two shows coming up this weekend. New Japan has two separate events, both of which are pay-per-view. So one on Fight one on njpwworld.com, and uh, there's a couple of shows there. We'll be going over those lineups and uh, talking a little bit about what is to come. I mentioned that the finals and semifinals set up a lot of things for the future. We'll look at that as well. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, I've also been catching up on the five-star Grand Prix, been doing a lot of that, and there's a little bit of news from there. Now, they had a stardom-by-stardom stardom show, uh, uh, Jeremy, and I bring it up here on Speaking of Strong Style because both IWGP-based titles were defended on that show and successfully, so we did not have any title changes. Uh, Julia defeated uh, you. Uh, is uh, the challenger there uh, for uh, the NJPW Strong Women's title. And then the IWGP champion Mayu Iwatani defended hers against uh, Utami Hayashita successfully. So uh, going forward, we still have the same two champions, and we're still expecting Julia somewhere this weekend in Philadelphia, right, Jeremy? Although I did say that I, I looked at the NJPW 1972 website, mm -hmm. and there is still not a women's match listed under Multiverse United official. There's neither. I'd imagine it's going to be finalized on the episode of Impact that airs tonight in a couple of hours. That is, I mean, they still want people to watch that show. I don't know how much of a draw Julia is to the Western audience and how much that's going to impact their ratings, but it's still their programming, and they should probably maximize getting viewers on there and seeing just how much interest that she draws. I'm certainly, I'm certainly interested, but I think the prevailing rumor is her and Deanna Perazzo and Giselle Shaw in a triple threat, which mm. or Momo sure. Kogo. I, I keep hearing things and like Momo, Momo Kogo. So it could be a fatal four-way. Uh, I forgot about that part, but the first two seemed likely, and I know Momo Kogo had mentioned that she wanted to participate in some type of matchup for it. So all the stars seem to be aligning. And uh, it would be a very interesting place to see if anyone made a return if Julia were potentially, you know, uh, retained. Well we, know, well, we know what they want to do eventually. We just don't know where Mercedes Monet's health is at the moment and how her, mm -hmm. how her ankle's healing and all that. So, But clearly the direction is Julia and uh, Mercedes Monet, which um, my fingers are crossed that we get to see that one. And mm -hmm. uh, I know I'm I'm just I'm just saying that I'm going to. If it happened in Vegas in October, if it there does, would be absolutely does. zero objection on your no. part. No, certainly to, not from somebody who's got fifth row tickets though. to participate in the uh, enjoyment of that match, along with several 
hundred other people. <laughs> yeah. And that's, uh, that's what we're looking at. Colin mentions that, uh, isn't it supposed to be that fatal four way? Yeah, we think so. And, uh, you know, like you mentioned, uh, probably impact. It's, it's a good point, Jeremy. They would probably mention it, uh, there because they would want to get at least some hype for it, uh, coming up, uh, off of their own show. And Colin also mentions he's been trying to catch up on the five-star Grand Prix. Me as well, by the way, who I'm, I'm far enough behind that I just watched the show from August 8th uh, earlier today. That's how much I mean, because the you know, World Cup's going on. There's a lot happening. And uh, that show from Kyoto, by the way, I don't know if anybody out there has Stardom World, but the show from Kyoto on the 8th, probably better than any one single night of G1, Jeremy. That's how good that show was. I've heard, I've heard that the five-star Grand Prix this year has been oh. pretty tremendous. Oh, man. Natsupoy and Shuri. You had uh, Julia and Mariah May. It had uh, the main event was Iwatani versus Suzu Suzuki. Just great stuff. It's, it's Keep just... an eye out for Mariah May, man. She's going to make noise. That, yeah. is, that is a performer that only big things are are in store for that person you know like i hope stardom gets to hold on to them for as long as possible because talent talent up and down from what i've seen and of course the reason we even bring that up on this show is because they are working with uh new japan of course they're both owned by bushi road the entertainment toy and game conglomerate and uh, both New Japan and Stardom owned by Bushi Road and they work together. So uh, we've been seeing a lot of this, uh, a lot of these women uh, come over from Stardom. We haven't seen Mariah May, I don't think on a New Japan no. show quite yet, but uh, hopefully in the future uh, because there's big things ahead for her. I, I absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. So G1 thoughts, Jeremy, this is something now we, we broke down all the shows and we talked about the uh, tournament. Just in general, I wanted to just bring out a couple of just basic categories here and talk about our perception of what we just saw over the last month. Who is your MVP for G133? I mean, this is such an obvious pick, but it's Will Ospreay. He mm -hmm. elevated the entire tournament with the matches that he had. So to get where we needed to at the end, to elevate Naito, you needed to have all of the contenders be elevated to such a point that anyone that beat them in the sequence that they did to win this tournament, like they compounded like all the energy. It's kind of like Highlander, you know, like there can be only one and you just take all their like energy and you defeat them and you're more powerful as a result. Just like I, that, yes. Just like that. There are people out there that will understand that reference. And be I, like, I believe you, I believe you. And they're like, yes, I do understand it. Naito's win was compounded by how good Will Ospreay was, and Will Ospreay losing to him elevated Naito to another level of like just how much of his push going into the Tokyo Dome should be. So more than Okada, more than Tanahashi, and more than a couple of the other people that lost to him on route, I think that Will Ospreay's performance in order to make the entire G1 as a whole, like the win of it, it was magnified by his performance. It's a great pick, and it's also my pick, by the way. I don't think you could really have anybody else in there as the MVP this year, considering the performances involved. I mean, the man even managed to get a good match out of Kenta, who would probably be my LVP for least valuable <laughs> performer in this one. And, uh, you know, it's just that he was on fire just about every single night, and it was uh, very special to watch him. My honorable mention on that, I have to say, when I look back through my notes at the entirety of the tournament again, 
I really enjoyed a lot of Shoto Amino matches. You know, I was just really about to well. say, I was like, if there was a guy that made the anticipation of a bracket, like the matches that he had, and like the the collision courses of all of his matches just seemed to resonate, and people were kind of coalescing around his matches. Not as much as Yoda Suji. Yoda Suji had a couple of those matches where people were like, oh, I'm very interested in the outcome in this, like the Sonata match. But whenever Shota had a match, people were like, I'm very interested in seeing how this goes, all the way to the last night with Hikaleo, where mm. people had their eyes on it, and then when Hikaleo won, the collective jaw drop was... <laughs> Honestly, it was one of the funniest things to, to watch people react to that one. <laughs> Colin said he would give an honorable mention to Shooter for MVP as well. Yeah, I had just had a very strong tournament. His match with Ren Narita, one of the best of the entire thing. And that one went to a 20-minute draw a draw that was just a brawl. And, of course, they were at each other's throats in all the uh, tag matches uh, it, once we got to the quarterfinals. And you also saw him in a really good match against Suji. His stuff mm -hmm. against Kato Kiyomiya was terrific. And uh, yeah, I just overall had a very strong performance. And it just goes more and more to my theory on this, that right now Hikaleo is getting a bigger push than the Reiwa Three Musketeers pushed into the quarterfinals, made into perhaps a babyface bad luck Fale, a guy who can get a win over anyone in a believable way but maybe not the world champion type. But that's a valuable thing to have, a little wild card in there who might upset somebody. And you know, I thought his work was really good. But the reason I'm saying this, is I think the long-term plans really have a lot of Shoto Amino in mind for mm -hmm. big-time main events. I, I think they believe in this kid. I think they should. Uh, I also think they believe in Suji just because I haven't seen anyone drip charisma like that since Hiromu. <laughs> so, well, well, Hiromu came back from excursion in mexico where he had been uh uh i always forget the name of his character in mexico anyway the point is he was a mass character in mexico comes back as the time bomb and all of these videos with the ticking time bomb and things and he is one who came in right at the top went right after Kushida for the junior title and he has been at or near the top of the junior division every day of his life since and just had charisma pouring out of him I haven't seen anybody do that since, including Shooter, who looked a little awkward in a couple of spots, you know, very early on when he came back, is growing into that character he has. Ren Narita, not quite the that charismatic thing, although he's in the right gimmick, that straightforward, you know, you know plowing straight ahead all the time works for a guy that doesn't have a heap of charisma because then you just have it, well, he's just so driven that, you know, you can play it off that way. And each of them has their own virtues and each of them has their own weaknesses. And, but I do think that eventually, I think we're going to be talking more about Umino than any of them. Eventually. It's, he just I, seems I to think have he's, it. I, I think he's the guy. He's the guy and he's the front man on the three motorcycles. If that made any sense. He's the guy kind of <laughs> running through the, running through the finish line first, but the okay. other two guys are going to be right behind them. Yeah. In some sort of way. I think, I think Shota's the first guy to win the big title. I okay. think Yoda is the guy to chase him. And I think Ren is the least flashiest, but the most dangerous of the three. And in the long term, he may have the most viability just because of the simplicity of of his whole of his whole vibe. You know, the the Shibata aspect of it. And that's gonna play better in the future, even more so than it has in the past, I think. 
It's interesting, isn't it, with the re with three musketeers too? So we can get into this as we go through this their first G one together. Uh, they are built upon the idea of the new three musketeers, which was Tanahashi, Nakamura, and Katsuyori Shibata. They have their own parallels, don't they? Because Shota Umino is clearly another Tanahashi between the hair, the outfits, the hugging all the kids, and just being it's the a weird fusion. Kids. Shono and Tanahashi. Yeah, a little bit, but it's it's you know it, there's Moxley in there and all that, and the other bit of it is clearly that Narita is doing a Katsuyori Shibata tribute act for right now, and so there that one's obvious. But if you look at so Yoda Suji and Nakamura, it's not a terrible parallel there. Okay, I mean, he, he doesn't have the MMA background that Nakamura did. And Nakamura was legitimately right. an MMA fighter and all that too, and and a but very he got good the football amateur. background instead, so you can kind of pivot on that. But look at the kind of weird, cool career. Uh, you know, you're actually has. yeah, I see it now. Yeah, I think, the, that, I think the, that's the I think that's the play. I've been watching older stuff when I can in New Japan on uh, New J NJPW World, and if you go back to 2010, 2011, Nakamura hasn't graduated all the way up to the. Freddie Mercury, Michael Jackson influences that we would see later with the way he dresses and the way he moves in the ring. He's not doing good vibrations yet or anything like that. But you see there is a little bit of, you know, the, the facial expressions and the swagger in the ring. And you can see that Suji is is that version of it. So each each of the new three musketeers has uh, a, a version from Reiwa that could be a parallel to them. So interesting to see how that all turns out. And that follows the pattern you just mentioned. Of those three guys, Tanahashi was the first to the top. Okay. Next up was the person chasing him, which was Nakamura Suji. Right. And the one that took the longest, and there are some political reasons for this, was Shibata, who left for a while, uh, came back, you know, saw that maybe New Japan didn't have as much of a future as he was hoping for. And he looked around a little bit and then came back and they worked that into the storyline that he wasn't accepted when he first came back to New Japan at all. And it took Hiroki Goto, his high school classmate, to, OK, I'll team with this guy. I know he's kind of a jerk, but he's he's my jerk and we can uh, be successful with him. But at first, the whole story was Shibata was not accepted by anyone, not Tanahashi, not Nakamura. And he had to kind of fight his way back. So that story works, doesn't it? Because Shibata was the third of the three to really rise all the way to mm -hmm. the top and main event pay-per-view. So all of that stuff is, you know, everything old is new again, right? Yeah. And, and okay. There was a narrative that I saw in the follow-up to the G1. And that is people wanted the gratification of elevating these guys right now. <laughs> and so there was... There was a trap sprung by New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yes. And it was an announcement that they have labeled Shota, Yoda, and Ren as the Rewa Three Musketeers. And the immediate takeaway from the Western world was they're elevating these guys. But it was a trap, okay? <laughs> It wasn't to elevate them. It was to create even more obstacles and expectations out of the starting gate that they have to overcome, making their eventual climb even longer because there is even greater challenges that New Japan has put on their plate. And this wasn't like a debutante ball with, with those three guys. They all lost. They drew. They had terrible beginnings because 
they didn't have any idea of what they were getting themselves into. This was like, I'm the young, I'm the young brash cowboy. I got this. They did not have it. And that was the story of their bracket is they bottlenecked each other. They were unprepared for the true challenges of the G1. And it wasn't until the end of the G1 that they all in some way, shape or form got a win or a victory or any type of, you know, elevation to that half step climb up their ladder of accomplishment in, in new Japan. Immediately this was a trap and people thinking that they were going to have a great G1 out the gate. That, that was not the narrative that was planned by new Japan by Gato or for anybody whatsoever. They were getting stonewalled. It's interesting to note too, when you go back through history of new Japan, a couple of things jump out at you. I mentioned Hiromu Takahashi came in, at the top of that division and has stayed there. Mm-hmm. Kazucho Okada, Ghetto knew that he was going to be the IWGP champion when he was still wrestling as Kato in Impact Wrestling and they were doing absolutely nothing with him. They had no idea. Mm-hmm. Ghetto knew. And he was telling people, you know, what happens when Okada comes back? Uh, he's going to be champion. And you're like, oh, come on. Ghetto knew. And he was champion quickly. Like He came back from excursion, had the match with Yoshihashi, challenged Tanahashi, then beat Tanahashi. Those are real outliers for the way New Japan does things. To launch somebody doesn't usually happen. Look at how long it took Naito. Stardust Naito kind of fell a little flat when he went to the top. Won his first G1. People didn't care for it, right? Voted a different match main event of the Tokyo Dome, famously. That's when they sent him away to Mexico for a little while or got the idea to. And then he came back. And even when he came back as heel Naito, and LIJ were the biggest jerks on the whole block, he won the title and all that, but the whole, and then he, then he became popular again. And even then they didn't pull the trigger immediately. Remember how he lost that first mm-hmm. Tokyo domain event to Okada when everybody thought he was going to win it. New Japan makes you wait most of the time. Absolutely. And so Okada and Hiromu are outliers and people keep pointing to them. Well, they did it with them. Yeah. Almost the exception that proves the theory, right? Almost everybody else rose to the top after the fans kind of thought they should. So maybe we should just take a lesson that these guys know what the hell they're doing and uh, and things because most of the time you got to wait longer than you hope to. And, I, and there are other examples. Well, I mean, Finley's been in the company for years, but there are just other folks in that group where, you know, the rise to the top and to the, to the world title level uh, was after folks thought, oh, the timing is right. It's, it's right now. Now is the time to do it. Now is the time to do it. Sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. But what's very consistent is that New Japan makes you wait uh, with only a couple of exceptions over the course of Ghetto's entire run of booking, which has gone on since, what, 2010, 2011? You know, I will say, there's a scenario that I had in my head about sometimes Ghetto doesn't make you wait, and sometimes Ghetto infuriates you at the same time. True. Uh, it started when I was thinking about the Stardust Press. And the destination for Naito is what we're looking for here. So we know that eventually we're getting Sonata and Naito. Naito has only hit the Stardust Press successfully <laughs> once out of four times. Right? Is that that's the statistic I, I read? He doesn't he hasn't hit it very often lately. He hasn't even 25% success rate. <laughs> he doesn't do it very much anymore, except yeah. now he's starting to do it in big matches and miss it. So hmm. So what's that, telling us? that is 
that seems like something that you might want to circle around for uh, Wrestle Kingdom is, are we going to see a Stardust press finish? And we also talked about the parallels between this G1 win and the Hiroshi Tanahashi win. And so I'm going to pull a little bit of threads here because I want to talk about another guy here that I thought actually had a really good G1. Is what if we have a redo of 2018-2019 again where Naito would win the title, but that's really what we were here for. And then at some point, Finley challenges him and takes the title off of him almost immediately. And then we set up to potentially Will Ospreay getting his title back three-year anniversary of Dominion when he vacated it in 2021 and never actually got his title back. And having a Finley-Will Ospreay feud going into the summertime through New Japan Cup. And then we kind of have a reset of the main title scene and Naito gets his flowers and everything's good. And we can just keep moving forward while revering the past as it feels like this entire year has kind of done. It's just been reverent for the top stars of the past as they get kind of another victory lap before the new generation really takes over. It's interesting, too, with Naito because they have slowly progressed him through Wrestle Kingdom, right? He had the the main event. It wasn't the main event, was it? He was voted out as the main event, his match with Okada at first, which he lost. Then they had him in the main event again as LIJ Naito, and he lost to Okada again when everybody thought he was going to win it. Then they had him win, and he won, and he got it, but he didn't get to do the roll call. Remember how Kenta attacked him in the ring as he was just about to do it. Will we finally see the victory and the roll call this year? I bet they tease it with somebody starting to interrupt him, and maybe that person stopped. I, I have a feeling we're going to get the roll call this year, I think. But we'll see. You know, they might one just, dream, on, they might just like, keep that on record. Yeah. I feel like we just we kind of need to get it one time. They might keep that carrot on a stick. Who knows? But, yeah, it, it, there's there's a lot of ways that could go. But, again, it it's would, it a would be of, more wistful and bittersweet if they actually do it because I think it says more – about the long term mm. than it is like like you know more about the long term like all right we are we are in we're we're in the we're going downwards now like the, the end is in sight for this kind of faction and the and this iteration of everything a lot of these guys will still be around but this might be the the peak of lij as it is I thought of another one, too, by the way. Kenny Omega, his first big Tokyo Dome main event with Okada, he lost the match. You know, oh. 40, the 47-minute match. And it was all to build things. They knew what they were doing. They knew, they, But everyone thought, everyone, I, I'm, I'm throwing around the word everyone here. but There was an expectation. That Kenny was finally going to do it, right? And then, you know, he lost. This was them, his you know? time. That, yeah. Like, the time is now. Why wait? Like, yeah. all the arguments were made. And then it was just like, nope, that wasn't the plan. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to ask an, an interesting question here to you, Jeremy, because sure. what is uh, the biggest surprise you had? And the reason this is an interesting question is Jeremy didn't have very many surprises in this year's G1 because you had this tournament so pegged, you won a contest based around it. So most of this tournament, in fact, an alarming percentage of it, a suspicious percentage of it, an, an Illuminati-level percentage of this, went uh the way you thought it was going to so if you are a member of the illuminati i ask you to state it now and let us know officially if uh the uh if king charles and beyonce are in because i think those are the two that i think are there were no there were no tricks there were no there's no nothing i just 
No, I, I'm, I'm suggesting you control. I'm, I'm suggesting you're on the committee that controls the universe. Oh, because gosh, the, no. look, go ahead and tell everybody here. I'm going to let you pat yourself on the back because what oh. you did was truly impressive, not just to win this tournament, uh, this contest about the G1 tournament, but just how well you did. I'm going to read one for you here, though. You predicted 71.4% of the matches accurately, including a draw, which is incredibly difficult to do. You had this thing dialed in. So we're going to talk about this contest, but then I also want to hear what did surprise you, because there's always a little bit of a surprise in this thing. But what? But, the one match that infuriated me that I didn't see coming was yeah. Nido losing to Shane Haste. Oh, okay. All right. Because I didn't pull the thread long enough. The idea was that Shane Haste, for lack of a better word, was going to rat fuck Jeff Cobb on the last night. Because, <laughs> because yes. last year, the Easter egg that you had to remember was Jeff Cobb came so fucking close to making it to the next round. Right. And it was it was a point of contention. Like he wanted he wanted blood for this. And I was like, I looked at that bracket this time, like. He's going to come so close, but they have to make it closer mm -hmm. than it was the last time. And they have made a point of this draw thing. If I would guess any draw in the last bracket match of anything, I'm guessing that's going to be a draw. Mm -hmm. And I never assumed that I was the only one that did it. Uh, I kind of looked to see if the people who were, you know, kind of, chasing me had the same reaction everyone had generally had Cobb but you knew you knew the jig was up when he had so many points about halfway I think he had yes. like four points he had eight points or something like that he had gone undefeated four and up and well, the math yeah. just said like he's not advancing and mm -hmm. you have to make it dramatic yeah. Yeah. We, we both had, we both had that. We both had this bracket exactly correct, by the way. We both fought Naito and Zach with Cobb nipping at their heels the whole time. Yeah. Uh, so that was. I thought Zach was going to be number one and they were going to make it more like Naito, like barely squeezed in. But no, they made it look pretty dominant. He beat Zach Saber Jr. Mm. Uh, then he beat Tanahashi, you know, like going up the ladder of the hierarchy of like a New Japan Cup winner, former G1 winner, like. Will Ospreay, greatest wrestler in the world right now. Kachichiko Okada, like mm -hmm. the 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 final boss, you know. <laughs> Just, <laughs> like they told you, like Naito's the guy right now, and like the Shane Hayes thing losing to Naito, like mm, super super annoyed about that one. <laughs> so let's talk about this thing here. Uh, you were in first. Uh, on day three and then you yeah. were so in first place alone you're tied for first after day three because you know yeah. a lot of entries and, and things were filtering out solely in first place from day four on uh you correctly predicted 80 out of 112 block matches 71.4 percent and the only person that picked Cobb and Hayes to go to a draw on night 16 so that's the first time in the history of that contest a single person has correctly predicted a match's results. And of course it was because of the draw, because no one thought that one was going to be a draw. I would imagine that only a tiny percentage pick haste, uh, maybe as an upset special, but I think like five uh, just about everybody pick up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can never replicate this. <laughs> <laughs> like, so are you retiring? Are you retiring? No, no. I'm a, I, I was I was asked by post wrestling to return and, and try again next year. Okay. So uh I feel like I kind of have to now. Uh like it, it's not one of those take a while. But 
look, I, I can rest on my laurels. I've done it once. <laughs> if, if I happen to do it, like, back to back to back, like, hey, it's great for our show. Like, this I, like, I all... like that you said – I like that you said back to back to back. You're penciling okay, yourself in so for three. I have a fantasy baseball league and I've gone back to back to back. And so oh, whenever Lord. I say that, like I just like it happened like five years ago. Okay. So like I'm not nearly as good at fantasy baseball as I was. I had no life. I wasn't married. I didn't even know you were into baseball. What who's your team? Are you Giants? Uh yeah, yeah, Giants. Yeah, but yeah. uh I just I've had the fantasy baseball team league with these guys for like 12 years and I got a good team this year. Sorry, no Cubs on there. Uh, but no Giants either. Uh, Julio Rodriguez and uh, Corbin Carroll are basically propping my team up right now, so I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. Gotta get yourself Cody Bellinger, but uh, yeah, uh-huh. the uh, <laughs> hey, he's been great. I've been on the Cody Bellinger trade before, I know what Cody Bellinger is, he's a very talented <laughs> player, not for my fantasy team. <laughs> well, either way, congratulations for winning this. Contest. Thank you, thank you. Awesome. Uh, all I want is to make our show better and for more people to to know about it because i think we make recapping new japan fun and talking about new japan and we love new japan we have the g1 to look back on we have all the stuff to look forward to and we're here every week man so you can count on us to be a source in new japan for you my surprise is something I touched on a little bit earlier in the show, which was Hikuleo getting the push a little bit before the Three Musketeers did. I, I was off on that. I, I, I thought Hikuleo would do well, but I did not have him uh, going to the quarterfinals. So that was a surprise to me. A pleasant mm-hmm. one. I thought the guy did yeah. real well in the role. I thought uh, personally that either Kato Kiyomiya or uh, Umino were, were going to slip in there. I, I have underestimated uh, just how little power Noah seems to have in this whole relationship. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so I, I came to a conclusion about that one, and I think that was primarily to prop up Keno. Uh, or Kino. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you talked a little bit about this, that they're doing a bit of an angle back in yes. Noah off this, aren't they? Yes, they are, they are trying to use this to elevate their top heel right now, whose faction just broke up Congo. And he, he's the front runner to win the N1. He may, he may not. I'm not paying that much attention to it. But he specifically said that Kaido Kiyomiya losing was an embarrassment and he was going to bring shame upon him. And so there was a reason that Noah wanted Kiyomiya to lose. There mm-hmm. are things in there. There is a cooperation here. And while it surprised everybody that this happened, the Kiyomiya saga in New Japan Pro Wrestling is going to be a multi-year thing. You know, he is going to be coming and going. He may end up working at New Japan Pro Wrestling exclusively at some point. But the investment here is long-term. And it's just like the Three Musketeers. There is no instant gratification to be had here. I would be shocked if it's Okada and Kiyomiya this year. It would be more likely that it's Okada and Kiyomiya a year from now than it is... Uh, this year because it's just not going that fast you know there are going to be scenarios that he's gonna have to overcome before they just give you that match and give you the outcome that you really want to see Keno, by the way is uh, in a block of the n1 victory tournament they do the two block format okay. a and b and uh, he has four points which is only two uh behind masa kitamiya and jake lee in the a uh, block there, so he's right in the mix and yeah. uh, and has not wrestled the champion. If he were yet. absolutely in the lead right now, I would be a little worried, but him being a couple yeah. behind is narratively mm-hmm. 
something that seems far more interesting to follow than, you know, a guy being in the lead the entire time and seeing if anyone can catch him. That yeah. that isn't is interesting for some people, except maybe the guy who's in the lead of the post wrestling prediction contest or like Sonata <laughs> and no one can catch them. There you go. There's so, a yeah, story that, there. <laughs> you know, there you go. And the other part about it, uh, Noah related, uh, to bring it around full circle here, Rio Heoiwa will be having yes. his uh, excursion basically in Noah uh, instead of going overseas. He's going to be wrestling for pro wrestling Noah relatively full time. And it looks like he's going to be teaming regularly with Kiyomiya. Uh, and uh, including his first match over there, I believe, is a tag match uh, that is going to include Zack Sabre Jr. And Zack, before he was a New Japan guy, was uh, a NOAA uh, foreign talent. Uh, he wrestled a lot for NOAA uh, several years ago. In fact, when Suzuki-gun was uh, on their little bit of a break from New Japan, gone over to pro wrestling NOAA, the last time these companies worked together regularly, Suzuki-gun went over as the top heel faction and uh, tormented Zack and his, uh, at the time, babyface brethren. So, uh, Zach going back home a little bit to Noah, and he's going to wrestle Oiwa and Kitamiya over there. Kiyomiya. Kiyomiya. There's a Kitamiya and a Kiyomiya, and I keep doing that. I apologize. <laughs> Kato Kiyomiya. And as Colin has very helpfully uh, brought us, that match is on September 3rd. So thanks, Colin. Appreciate that. So, and that would mean that uh, potentially that Saber Jr. would be available in the UK the week before? Could be, right? Yeah, and there's... there's uh, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that there's, of course, uh, I hear there's an event going on over there that might draw a few people. He Colin is at the Rev Pro show, and that is also yeah. a show featuring a number of that talent. That, that, that looks as good as the damn show at Wembley Stadium does on paper sometimes. But do you want me to uh, you want me to read that lineup real quick and we can touch on it and then move on? In just a moment, I want to get some of these comments in here too, because we got some good ones. Uh, Colin is saying he's giving the N1 a go this year. It's really good. Yeah, the N1 tournament's good. I, Pro Wrestling Noah has some good talent, and uh, the it's tournament season. We got the five star Grand Prix going, the G1, the N1, and uh, yeah, there is there's some terrific talent over there. And so uh, if Colin's giving it a look, and hopefully you're enjoying it. And uh, Venkin Bjorn says, wasn't that the Suzuki Goon takeover where they collected all the belts? Yep, sure was. That's with the uh, total uh, Noah invasion uh, that came, that happened. And then they came back famously to uh, New Japan at New Year's Dash, where Okada had just vanquished an opponent and was feeling good about himself. And Chaos is in the ring after one of those multi-man tags there at New Year's Dash at Corican Hall back then. I don't, I don't even think they were in Oda Ward Gym yet. And uh, all of a sudden... Lance Archer and Davy Boy Smith Jr. and Suzuki uh, and Taichi all came running in and destroyed everybody. And they're like, "Holy crap! We've got a whole other, <laughs> whole new set of problems." And uh, and then stacked them all up backstage. Bjorn said, "Took all the belts and stacked them up backstage." Uh, they have a really nice way of giving the finger <laughs> theoretically to the to, to the people they're working on. And uh, Manabu Soya is awesome, according to Colin. Yeah, there's some really good. There's just some really good talent over there. And uh, again, it's one of those promotions, Jeremy. If I had more time, I would probably try to watch more of it. Between New Japan, Stardom, I'm into CMLL a lot. Although they've kind of mm -hmm. took all their shows behind a paywall on YouTube now, and I've I've been watching less of it. But there's it's just a a, a Another example of how we're in a golden age of really good pro wrestling right now. You don't always get this. And I, like J Japanese wrestling in the 1990s. It's a Renaissance period. Japanese wrestling in the 1990s was booming. And you hear about the King's Road, the Four Pillars, the Three Musketeers in New Japan and everything. But then if you look at what was going on in North America, WWF and WCW were trash in the mid-1990s. It wasn't until the late 90s that either of them picked things. That was during the, the god-awful Diesel, Shawn Michaels era. 
in WWF, which was falling on its face. And the only year, by the way, that didn't involve the XFL where Vince McMahon lost money is when Kevin Nash was on top. And then uh, the, uh, that's, the only, <laughs> that's, that's the only time a football league didn't suck money out of Vince. Is a, but Kevin Nash managed to do it. So next time Kevin Nash starts <laughs> proclaiming things about how wrestling should be run, remember the single most, uh, single least successful WWF champion in history on a list that includes Kane and Bradshaw for the love of Christ. Uh, Get your mid nineties WWF hot tape here. Uh, oh, I know. I just, I get pissed <laughs> off because people still talk to this idiot anyway. And then uh, WCW was great. But so you yes. don't get everybody hitting on cylinders very often. And right now I feel like we kind of have that because there's great stuff just about everywhere you look. All right. <laughs> All right. Anyway. And uh, oh, one more thing from Colin here. There's a guy called Bally, Ballyon Aki wrestling for CMLL. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not sure if I've seen him yet. Yeah, I've heard about him. I have seen him a little bit. That looks like a talented dude and somebody that's coming up. But, uh, you know, that CMLL, unfortunately, they've taken a lot of their YouTube stuff and put it behind the membership wall for uh, it's, it's only five bucks a month. But again, I, it comes down to a matter of time as much as anything else. I will but, tell you this. Speaking of paywalls at $5 and $10, Stephen, there mm -hmm. is a Patreon Fight Game Media offer. So there's a $5 and a $10 tier of the Fight Game Media. Mm -hmm. In the $5 tier, you get audio and video, audio of The Rap with Keo Cash and Scott Young, The Boom with Kevin Ely and James B. McDaniel. In the Clinch with Paul Fontaine and Ryan Frederick. The Dynamite Show with Paul Fontaine and Jeff Hawkins. And the Five Star Joshi Show, alternating with the Double G Show, uh, every Friday. So that's Monday through Friday. And at $10 a year, you get that in addition to video of the Boom and the Five Star Joshi Show. You'll also get the audio from this show and Power Bomb Shells. And if you don't want to pay that money right away, the first two people that email... Garrett Gonzalez at Fight Game Media, GG at Fight Game Media, and I want the try the five dollar tier for a month free or the ten dollar tier for a month free. He is offering that for the first two people that email him at that uh, address, and that is one more time. Let's see here. GG at Fight Game Media. GG at Fight Game Media. Cool. All right. Well, there you go. Patreon. Yeah, for the Patreon. And uh, Venkin Bjorn says, I think he's trained by Emi Sakura, that uh, Balian Aki. Uh, he appears on AEW during your entrance, so probably. And then we have um, a comment from uh, Samantha Shipman. We got Sam from Power Bombshells. Hey, Sam. Samantha Shipman there. Uh, Power Bombshells, of course, right here on the Fight Game Media YouTube channel, Sundays at noon Eastern. And uh, Aki wrestles with May Segura on the Indies and uh, Choco Pro as best bros. Saw them in DPW, and they're awesome. So there you go. Some names to look out for. Definitely worth uh, taking a look at there. So with that in mind, we have a couple of shows coming up, Jeremy. And the first one is All-Star Junior Festival. It's a two, There's a two-night event going on. So one of them is All-Star Junior Festival on the 19th. And then we have Multiverse United 2 on the 20th. Both are taking place at the 2300 Arena, formerly ECW Arena there in South Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And who doesn't want to be in South Philly in the dead of August, I ask you. Uh, but uh, this card, Jeremy, for All-Star This Junior is a card. Festival this is, is a card that is happening. <laughs> this is a pile of ridiculousness. And I, 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 <laughs> I am going to be watching this show, and I will be reviewing it. Jeremy and I are doing Okay, backstage, backstage. We decided one-on-one, -on -one, and I had 
I'm sorry to anyone that's really looking forward to this card. I have less than zero interest in this card. I'm, I'm <laughs> sorry. This junior, uh, yeah, I just I can't. Mel's but, here too from the, the power bomb. We got both power bombshells. Now I'm really sweating. We've got to be good. And uh, Colin says hi to Sam and Mel. All right. Well, you guys talk amongst yourselves for a moment. We, yeah, we, we decided we were going to do a division of labor here for a moment yes. for this for this weekend because there's stuff going on. And we're like, all right, you take one, I'll take the other. And uh, I'm putting the, the pictures together for this. I'm like, what the hell is this show? I don't know. So let's go over this card for the All-Star Junior. Did Hiromu actually book this show, Stephen? I I think so. I and I think okay, that's what this is. It's Hiromu Takahashi's All Star Junior Festival 2023. The actual hashtag is AFJF 2023 or something. Should be WTF 2023. But uh, yeah, let's get to it. We're 40 minutes into this, and we got to talk about these shows. (laughs) Here's your five way main event. So uh, five-way is Fugaz, Soberano Jr. Those are a couple of uh, CMLL guys. KC Navarro. I don't have a ton of data on KC Navarro, uh, but he only has three matches listed on wrestling data uh, in 2023. But he, he's worked in mostly a lot in the Midwest, I, I noticed, and he's done some. He, but he's been around. I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, this isn't some newbie, but uh, maybe not in more prominent spots. Leo Rush. And Dragon Kid, who's a Dragon's Gate wrestler uh, for the most part, and, and and works other indies as well. So of course we know Leo from uh, his run there with the uh, in the junior heavyweight division. I know Leo. Division. I know who Leo Rush is. Sure. Yeah. That's there you go. <laughs> yeah. And uh, oh yeah, I'm some... not a CMLL guy. <laughs> well, no. Soberano Junior is excellent. Fugaz is pretty good. Uh, yeah. So I mean, this will be an air show. Basically, yeah. I mean, this is this is going to be some. There's uh, something an like eleven or twelve matches on this show. Nothing getting a whole lot of time. Yeah. And uh, uh, Collins asked, "Is the first one, uh, the first uh, All Star Junior Festival available to watch anywhere?" I, th- I think it might be. Uh, so on, uh, check out in the archives of NJPW World there, I think. so. Uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, Sam's saying that KC Navarro is good. Yeah, he probably okay. is. I mean, judging by the cards that he's been on, I, I can't say I've seen him, So, uh, I, but I believe it. Uh, he actually okay. was uh, in Chicago, Michigan, a lot, uh, some of those cards. And, uh, but uh, they're cards that contain a lot of good wrestlers, so uh, not not just some little indie thing that uh, where it's a bunch of students. It looks like he's wrestling really good re- workers. I just haven't seen him yet. Real talk, real talk. Anyone watching right now? The Power Bomb shows on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. They're the people. Is it 1 p.m. Eastern? I'm sorry, Sham, if I got that wrong. And uh, and Mel, but they're both a, on 10 a.m. Uh, I think, uh, yeah. Okay. It, it goes at 10 a.m. on my time, so I'm pretty sure. The, no. Okay, they, that's 1 o'clock Eastern. I'm sorry. These two individuals, these are the people, the resources on the fight game media that know the information about these shows. But because it is a New Japan-centric show, we are covering and talking about it. But uh, cap tip to cap tip to Sam and Mel. They're, they're the ones with the Powerbomb shows that that can go deep on the lore that I am I am not here on. Okay. So we have uh, Goldie and Vinny Pacifico. That's your kickoff match right there. Mm-hmm. And then we have... Uh, oh, well, you're here going we go. all over the place here. Okay. Uh, there is... Uh, all right, we'll go with this one. <laughs> let me let me scroll down to it. So this Apology. is the <laughs> Pat's King of Steaks Philly Cheesesteak Cup three-way tag ladder match. I, I think Hiromu's been into the sherry. I saw the titles of these, and I was like, what? Pat, I, okay. Actually, I don't know who Low Rider is, 
But the rest of these guys, <laughs> Watto had the amazing best of the Super Juniors match. Yeah, so uh, we have uh, – let, let's read off the names yeah. of the people listening on that. We have Hiromu Takahashi and Rocky Romero. That's one of the t- – mm-hmm. We have Master Watto and Blake Christian. So those are those we have four really good guys here. And then we have Doki, who's excellent, and Low Rider. He's new to you, but he's a pretty good wrestler. Okay. The Low Rider's all right. So uh, Rocky Romero's having a renaissance 2023 with all of his uh, wrestling in Mexico. Hiromu oh, wow. Takahashi is evergreen. Like just watching Hiromu Takahashi do his thing is fantastic. Watto had the best of the Super Juniors when Blake Christian is on the rise and we both love Doki. He hasn't had a whole lot of shine on in the Western world lately. He went on. He was on the uh, Rampage episode versus uh, Jack Perry, which he outshone Jack Perry. So, uh, oh yes, Venkin, is it me or are these guys just thrown together? There is a theme to this show, and I think you <laughs> tapped on it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, I, I just want to know, Jeremy, what is, what are they actually going to be hanging? from the rafters of the ceiling of the, is there, is it going to be a cheesesteak? Is this a cheesesteak? I think it's going to be a cup of grilled onions. <laughs> oh, geez. I, you know, uh, boy. All right. Uh, you know, we'll have to see what in the world. This one corner is a cup of grilled onions. The other corner is a cup of meat. The other corner no. is a cup of melted cheese and the other corner is a bag of bread. <sighs> see now that that's the question is, is it the cheese whiz or is it the slices of cheese? And that's it, the big, the, the, the unending argument when it comes to the best cheesesteaks in Philadelphia. I've never had either one of them. I've never been to Philadelphia as it turns out. So I don't know. I do it. not like the American cheese. So I always go for the other option. Thank um, you. It's going to be a belt, uh, a belt with a steak on it. Maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, tougher than rawhide that steak. <laughs> yeah, man. All right, so go ahead and put up the next thing, and we'll talk I have, about it. I have no that idea is, what the okay. order was, and I apologize to you. That's okay. No, no, no. okay, here we go. So we have the All-Star Junior Festival Tournament, and this is a one-night tournament, four wrestlers, two matches, and then the winners face off. What they win for this, don't know. They've never told us uh, specifically. I think but it's a cheesesteak. Kevin Knight and Clark Connors in one match. The other one is Francesco Akira and Mike Bailey. The good news is, any combination of these four are going to make for three pretty good matches on this card. So Akira is fantastic. I mean, he might have been the MVP of the of one of the best. Uh, he was an MVP candidate for one of the best uh, best of the Super Juniors we've ever seen. Uh, Mike Bailey, same. <laughs> he was he was wonderful in that. And then on the other side of that, Kevin Knight and Clark Connor. Knight is just a phenomenal uh, wrestler. Has great charisma. He can talk. He uh, can fly, certainly. He's got springs where his legs are supposed to be, just terrific. Clark Connor seems to have found a little bit of swagger as he has joined uh, David Finlay's version of Bullet Club. So here's a little section of the card, Jeremy, that I'm actually pretty excited about. The other stuff is just, I think the, the five-way is going to be an air show, which will probably be entertaining in a crash and burn kind of way. I don't have any idea what the cheesesteak match is going to be, but there are good workers in it. But here are three singles matches that ought to be pretty tight. So... Did they have a uh, did they have a match with each other in the best of the Super Juniors? I don't have that in front of me. I kind of think that they did, and I think that Clark won, and I think that I would see that same result again. I think the Rise Bullet Club is can't really be stopped right now. But Kevin Knight has looked good. He had a renaissance ever since the uh, the Super Junior Tag League uh, thing deal he did with Kushida, and I kind of thought that would kind of continue, but it kind of went away. And we'll see the the. Jet Setters? Is that what they are now? Mm-hmm. Uh, if yes, they get back yes. together this next year. 
I'm. I think Mike Bailey is going to be on the other side of it going into the finals to face off with Connors. Just as Bailey has a big match mm-hmm. the next night at Multiverse United, so I would expect him to sort of get that uh, set up for the big night, big show push, so to speak. We have a lucky lucky dip tag match. Now let's talk about this one. Now the rules in this one are uh, just as murky as anything else. But so we will determine partners by a random drawing in the ring. So all these guys are going to come out. So none then, of these guys are set up as tags already. Correct. This is yeah, a mystery they, vortex tag match. Yes, they're going okay. to come to the ring and they are going to draw straws to determine who the partners oh, are. The okay. other thing it hasn't particularly done is tell us if this is going to be a. Uh, we have eight wrestlers, so we don't really know if this is going to be a four-way tag or four-on-four. Now, I don't know if we're just saying, okay, you guys are red corner, you guys are blue corner, or if it's going to be, okay, you two are a tag, and then these we're going to make four tag teams up. We don't know. They haven't really told us. They might not have decided yet. Who knows? Uh, or, or you know, like I said, Hiromu's been in the sherry. So here are the eight people. Alex Shelley, TJP, Chris Bay, Ace Austin, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, Uncle Nobu, and then two members of TMDK, Robbie Eagles, and the now off on excursion Kosei Fujita, and Cheeseburger. Now, Cheeseburger has to be in this match because you can't put a cheeseburger in the cheesesteak match. It just doesn't go right. Just, you know, there's, there's, there'll be riots in the street and Philadelphia. It was right there, and you went for it. <laughs> and this show is on uh, NJPW World, this one. Now, Multiverse United will be on the Fight app. So. Yeah. Uh, I, the only thing why I, you can't do a bundle of both of these for like $40 is beyond me. That is primarily mm-hmm. the reason why I'm not doing this is because I'll spend one, Steven will spend the other, and then we will have the entire show covered. Well, the good news, the, and the good news for me is I don't have to wrestle with the fight app, which is, <laughs> has never been real good to me. So I'm, I'm happy about that part. I can just watch this one on World there. But yeah, so there you go. Uh, we'll, we'll see what comes. But I would imagine that they will play around with this a little bit and probably put Austin and Bay on different teams, Fujita and Eagles on different teams just to mess with our minds. Uh, a little bit there, I, I would imagine. Uh, so, but, but uh, you know, again, we'll know uh, once a random drawing in the ring, assuming they're working that. Uh, I, I assume that's going to be a work. I mean, yeah. they could pull shenanigans where the Bullet Club guys end up being with each other, but it wouldn't serve any purpose if they were going to get a title match because it would just be Bullet Club versus Bullet Club, and that doesn't make any sense unless there is an angle to be played out of it. If that were the case, I really don't know if Hiromu Takahashi's all-Star Junior Festival is the place for that to happen. I want to see both. A bundle makes too much sense, according to Sam. Yeah, but yeah that's fairly true. And, I, uh, you know, if we start making sense in wrestling, we're never going to get anywhere. They are literally filming from the same building two nights apart, and they decided <laughs> to put one on World and one on Fight because everyone loves a New Japan show on Fight. <laughs> it's always gone perfectly well in the past. It's gone so well. Oh, my God. You, you had to sit through a fight. Uh, delay, didn't you? When you uh, saw the show in oh, San yeah, Jose, the Battle of the Valley, they're like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna peek out for a few minutes. We're just gonna hang out here for forty five minutes." I think I ended up watching the Roman Reigns Sami Zayn match on my phone during the time, and it kind of worked out. I had a great time, and it was a great great show with Monet and one of the last Tanahashi Okada title matches we'll probably ever see. And uh, wow, Colin Matthew made the choice for this. Colin Matthew, I applaud you. It does seem like a lot of fun, but it seems even more inconsequential to me than the Multiverse United show. That is a slight level of inconsequence. This one seems totally, and I just, not not the show for me. But okay. if they manage to get people that really want to watch the show, then mission accomplished. 
There are a few other matches on this thing we'll talk to uh, talk about now. Uh, Matt Seidel and Yo will be facing Bushi and Shun Skywalker. And uh, Shun Skywalker wrestles for Dragon's Gate. He's wrestled for Noah. He's wrestled for Tradition. That's Tatsumi Fujinami's promotion there in Japan. And PWG. He's been mm -hmm. with uh, PWG. So, uh, and of course, we know uh, Matt Seidel, certainly, and Yo, Bushi, and all that. So that's one. There's the tag match there. Should be entertaining. And next one we have, uh, yeah, there it is. Mao and El Desperado. Now, Mao has wrestled for a lot of companies. He's been an AEW, DDT gcw noah so this guy gets around uh obviously if you're booked by all of those promotions there's some real talent there just uh, hasn't settled in at a regular spot as of yet uh, he'll be teaming with el desperado who hopefully is uh healed up from being cut to ribbons in that uh he looked fine a couple of days ago at the uh at the g1 yeah finals. he did he did he seemed he all right proud. just just another day at the office <laughs> And uh, Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne, their opponents right there. So it'll be fun to see Nick Wayne in this uh, in this uh, environment. I think that'll be uh, a lot of fun to watch. I think about El Desperado, and whenever he's not on like a proper New Japan show, I think about the pre-show of Forbidden Door 2, and he's coming out with the best friend, and he's just like, I don't understand what's happening here. <laughs> Look, let's just get this over with. He's so popular, but people don't really understand the context of where to pair him with. Mm -hmm. I know Hiromu's a little bit different, but I think there's other scenarios coming up where you're going to be like, what and why did you decide to put El Desperado in this situation? <laughs> Uh, and Sam says the East-West Express rules, so we get a chance to see that. Uh, little thing, but that's a bit of a throwback. The East-West connection when I was a little kid was Jesse Ventura and Adrian Adonis. So you can figure out how old I am from that one right there. That's the first thing I think of when I hear East-West. But I'm an old man. Uh, after that, we have this uh, six-person uh, match. Uh, I don't want to call it a man because one of these people is not one. We have Ryusuke Taguchi, Rich Swan, and the DKC against Jack Cartwheel, Starboy Charlie, and someone who has no business being in a professional wrestling I ring. was going to ask what your thoughts were. And but didn't have any business the lead, being there in the first you? place. <laughs> this cockroach of a human, uh, its uh, he goes by real one. its He used to be Enzo Amore. Uh, he, he used to be a star, but he's always been a dick and uh, not really interested in seeing him anywhere, let alone in a New Japan ring. So it's a little disappointing that he's here, Jeremy, for me. Uh, not a good human being at all. And uh, besides that, he's, he was a crap wrestler. His whole gimmick was that he was a talker. And he did that fairly well. He got he his did. catchphrases over. He did all that. But then he wrestled. And boy, whew, uh, not so good. And half the time hurt himself, which, you know, the, anyway, point being, for some reason, I don't know why uh, he's been booked for this thing here when there are a lot of junior heavyweights out there that probably not could have the taken first time he's shown up in a new Japan ring. It, well, the first time he's been booked to. <laughs> you want to explain that? Okay, so 2018-2019, the Madison Square Garden New Japan Ring of Honor show. Yeah. There's a tag match with Gorillas of Dentistry, and I think <laughs> did you just say the Gorillas of Dentistry? Yeah, <laughs> uh, the Gorillas of Dentistry. Destiny. I don't think I did, but it's entirely possible. Uh, That's what I'm calling them from now on. <laughs> they uh, they got pretty teeth. They do. Their yeah. their smiles are pretty. They do. Teeth. Yeah. No. No. It's, it's uh, and there was a there was I think a four way, and yeah, at the very like end of the four way, uh, the tag team of Big Cass or whatever Cassidy was calling himself, Cass XL, mm. and Real One showed up, and it was. A shoot scenario that New Japan was not aware of in which Ring of Honor was going into business for themselves at the end of the match. And probably one of the 
bigger faith pong that led to the dissolution of that relationship with that level of management. And it's been reestablished through AEW, but he has been there before. Now, cut to the future. I don't know what real one has had going on. He's been he's been attempting to be a rapper. He's attempting to be a rapper. I, I don't care. Not on time. my radar. Absolutely not on my radar. If, and I'm going to say if, there is a precedent with those two with Big Bill. Big Bill got his shit together and he started somewhere at the bottom at Impact. And if you go to the Mike and JD show who are going to be on another network soon, back when they did Brace for Impact, they would talk about how good this guy got in Impact. Big Bill. And he needed to start somewhere. He started at the bottom. He got humble. He figured out his shit. And he actually became a contributing member to the wrestling community. And people enjoy his matches. There is a chance that we may be in the same scenario with the real one. And this is the start and at the bottom. He tries. He's in the match. He eats the pin. I'm fine with that. You know, you've got to start somewhere. you got to have another chance. If you're done with him, I totally get it. You know, like, no one is asked to get second chances in this thing. But I don't know if he's done anything so bad that if he comes out here and says, you know what? That was all right. That I'd be like, if you told me that he did all right, I think that would be a seal of goddamn approval from you, given how badly you buried him just now. So if he does all right, great. But I don't know what he's going to do. I just have a little bit of an open mind about this one match because this is his one chance to say, hey, I'm not the guy that you that you think I was. Now, the best case scenario is someone winning, someone learning from their mistakes and improving themselves. So let's hope that that's what we're seeing here. Uh, Colin says Starboy Charlie is in this match too, and he's great. I've yeah, seen him live. yeah, no, he definitely he's going to be good. Jack Cartwheel's good. Uh, Rich Swan's good. Taguchi's good. Real One and DKC are DKC's okay, and you know, Real One will. I'll, I will do my best to keep an open mind. Apparently, Mel was there at Madison Square Garden when uh, all that went down. I've yeah, I was there that. too. I, uh, Mad- I was, you were in Madison Square. I've never been to Madison Square Garden. It, it was the one time that I went, and it was just one of those like I went to New York for that Mania. I didn't go to Mania. I went to the NXT. And I went to the Madison Square Garden show, and then I hung out with my friend, and we watched uh, WrestleMania from his couch and ordered pizza, and I just hung out in New York with a bunch of friends that I knew, and it was. It was a fantastic time. It was better than going to Mania and getting stuck in the rain until 2 a.m. Uh, live. I, was, I was chilling, sleeping on a couch. Great. Just call me uh, peanut butter and jealous there. I didn't get a chance. <laughs> I've been to New York. I've been to New York a couple of times in the last year, and I just never had a chance to go to anything at um, MSG. So there certainly weren't any wrestling shows going on while I was there. But... There might be one more match, but I only have one more match on here. Okay, so let's see. We had uh, we mentioned that one. We mentioned that one. We have uh, da, 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 da. no. I think that's. I think we got it. Okay, I think we covered them. Cool. And this yeah, side Allen Yo against Bushy Scamic. Yeah, I think that's about it. I'd imagine this is gonna close out the show. Is yeah, maybe the, so. Maybe. I would hope so. And uh, Mel says, uh, "Yep, it was dope. We went uh, out to Mania and had the Escape from New York experience. Oh, that's that's pretty cool. That's that's nice. Uh, yeah, the the one uh, I got a chance to go to the." Uh, uh, sleep no more uh, immersive theater experience when I was there, and that was a pretty badass thing too. So that was pretty neat. I've been to an escape room once, and it was really cool, but that's all I got. <laughs> so uh, after that, Multiverse United Two. So that's the next night. So we, we've talked about what's going to go on and the frivolity on Saturday. We have Multiverse United, and this show has a little more of a canon feel to it, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like the, some of this stuff's going to really matter after this that show first one here. was a hidden gem man i had a good time watching that first multiverse united show 
And it's going to kick off here with uh, Uncle Dobu back in it. And this guy's been really resurgent, by the way, Kanemaro. I think getting the, the, the breakup of Suzuki-Goon has allowed him to change up his routine a little bit. He had an act with Suzuki Goon, a Suzuki, you know, that was specific to that. And since he's broken away from that, it's, I think it's given him a little energy and he's going to be wrestling Kenny King right here, which would be an interesting uh, matchup. Uh, I, I can't say I would have thought of this off the top of my head, but now that someone says it, uh, County Morrow and Kenny King, looking forward to it. Here's the thing about the New Japan schedule and the impact schedule. There's not a whole lot of dates in which they're conflicting with each other in the near future. So starting at the bottom of the card, all of these titles could switch at any point and they could do a television program and change it back at the end of a television taping cycle or even at the next show if they're able to coordinate it. So keep that in mind when we're talking about all these shows. With that in mind, I think Kenny King just got this title off of Joe Henry. Henry, And so I don't see him losing to Kenamaro. I don't think this is going to be the flashiest match, but it's the perfect appetizer match uh, to start the show. And uh, Venkin's asking, is Kenamaro from five guys? Yep, one of just five guys. And uh, there you go. Maybe he'll eat at five guys when he's over there in Philadelphia. Uh, we also have an uh, opening match of Joe Henry, Heath, and Yuya Uemura. I'm going to struggle with that kid's name the rest of my life. Yuya Uemura uh, against uh, Master Wato, Ryusuke Taguchi, and Rocky Romero. So uh, Rocky back on the babyface side. He's the top heel in Mexico, but here he is uh, on the babyface side of this one. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is going to be one of those showcase matches where everyone gets a little bit of shine and mm -hmm. uh, just warms up the crowd. Should be good, though. Yeah, I think uh, 10, 15 minutes. Just get in, get out. Uh, Wado should be good. I really want to see some Wado and uh, Uemura get, mm -hmm. get in the ring with each other. I think of all the combinations, I think that one's going to be the one that I have the most uh, the most interest in seeing how, how they do grappling with each other. All right. And then we'll go on to there. So this is the Bullet Club versus the World match. And uh, pull it up here. We have Ace Austin, Chris Bay, Alex Coughlin, David Finlay, Kenta, and Clark Connors. So uh, Gabriel Kidd not in the house uh, for this one, but they've got plenty of bullet clubbers. And on the other side, PCO, something wrong with that boy, Josh Alexander, Tongaloa, Tamatonga, the DKC, and El Fantasmo. So once again, anytime you get this many people in a match, you're just going to be seeing a little bit of shine for everybody. A lot of people getting in moves. It'll be fast paced and it'll probably be pretty good. But uh, yeah, I, I, I can't say this one's going to have a, a terrible amount of consequence to it, but uh, it should be an entertaining 10, 12 minutes. This is going to be the first time that we see Ace Austin and Chris Bay interacting with this Bullet Club. And I'm curious to see if it's a nothing burger or if they there are some threads that are pulled with it. That is the primary interest that I have in this match because I really do like this Bullet Club and whether it's going to be the core five and that's it or if they're really going to uh, keep the rest of Bullet Club threads alive with it. This is going to be hopefully one of those shows that answer that question because it doesn't have to be spent a whole lot of time on New Japan show. I kind of wish Hikaleo was in the match instead of PCO, but you need the three and three. That would make this match way more interesting than me. PCO does not do much for me as a character, but it is nice to see Josh Alexander back. I think him, uh, Tamatonga and El Fantasma are going to be doing some heavy lifting on that side of the team while uh, Tangaloa is just kind of, I don't know, there. For people who don't watch a whole lot of uh, impact and things or any or anything outside of Japan, PCO, uh, I think Masato Tanaka is an interesting sort of avatar for him in that it's a person who 
you watch his match more to see the bump he takes than anything else. Uh, almost a frightening disregard for his own safety uh, with this guy. And always did, by the way. If you watch some of his matches when he was Pierre or uh, Ouellette or one of the the Mounties even in uh, WWF back in the day, he took some crazy bumps. Even against yeah. Bret Hart and things, he would do it back then when no one else was doing stuff like there that. Are anyway. some, there are some people just built differently and, and PCL is just... <laughs> Built differently. He's, he's one of them. He's a tough. He's a tough man. Whew. But uh, again, you tend to watch the matches kind of cringing a little bit. And Colin is. He says he's still not a Master Watto fan. We're gonna bring you around, Colin. We're gonna bring you this around. match could clap. Yeah, here's one. Leo Rush and Trey Miguel against Hiromu Takahashi and Mike Bailey. This is one work rate wise. Not much can go wrong. This should be a lot of fun to watch. And uh, just four really good workers. Again, uh, two kind of makeshift tag teams. But Bailey was. The pleasant surprise of Best of the Super Juniors. I'm not surprised he did well, but I was surprised at just how well the New Japan crowd took to him. I, happily surprised. And we already know the Leo Rush is phenomenal. Trey Miguel's excellent. Boy, I, I'm looking forward to this one too. Uh, is the other rascal in there? The uh, the Zach the Zach guy? Because I know that they are together. You may not know, but uh, I just realized that he's got a tag with another guy, and it's not Leo Rush. It might have made sense to have. Uh, a sixth man here, but I guess they didn't, and we'll find out if there's a reason for that. Okay. And then here we go for the uh, Junior Heavyweight X Division Scramble Match. We have El Desperado, Mao, Rich Swan, Bushi, Frankie Kazarian, Kevin Knight, and Chris Sabin. So uh, once again, this one should just be a bit of a spot fest and uh, probably a pretty good one. But, you know, again, uh, six for six. There's not much to complain about here. Who, who does the climbing spot? In the middle of the in the middle of the the X division, who's the one that does the climb? Oh, you, Kevin. You gotta, it's you Kevin, it's Kevin, right? It's Kevin. It's, I don't know. You think? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm asking you who, who you think does the climb. I'm going to go with Mal. I'm going to see if Mal, Mal, okay. Mal does the climb. All right. I, it, it's the most athletic guy, right? I, it's always a guy that's supposed to impress you because you've never seen something like that before, but you see mm -hmm. it every time. There you go. <laughs> and then here's a match again. I did not have this one on my bingo card, uh, but we have Sammy Callahan in a singles match against Doki. Make sense of this one if you would, please. I don't. I don't get it other than like these two maybe wanted to have a match with each other. And they're like, sure. Uh, obviously, Sammy Callahan has a lot more higher profile stuff going on in Impact than Doki does in New Japan. I think think I'm leaning towards Sammy Callahan, but I I don't have an expert opinion other than like Doki is going to have a fantastic showing because he does not suck. He always tries. And this could surprise you, but I do not believe that it is Sammy Callahan that is going to be doing heavy lift doing the heavy lifting in this match. Okay. And then we have uh, Colin's happy that Doki is on the card, but he's also a little bit torn because Mao is wrestling on both nights, and now he might have to buy both shows. Yeah, well, hey, it's a it's a it's an intriguing little weekend there, deciding uh, both uh, the Doki Jokey from Mal and Doki. <laughs> Maybe so. I, the laughter fake, but the tears are real, Mal. I love me some Doki. I did, I, I, I'm a, I've been on the Doki versus Sammy Callahan is not exactly the reason I'm buying this show. Doki versus anybody is a selling point. Somehow they've lost money by offering Sammy Callahan as the opponent. Oh, come on. You, you, you really that down on Sammy? You don't care for him? Uh, I, am not a, I am not a Sammy Callahan fan. I feel, I feel like he is somewhat of a one-trick pony that uh, the trick wears thing. 
All right. Well, the next one is uh, TMDK against Impact. So we have Zack Sabre Jr. and Shane Haste as a team here against Moose and Eddie Edwards. What do you think? Okay. Moose uh, destroys Shane Haste for the win? I, I would imagine so. This It depends on how magnanimous they are toward New Japan here and, and Impact. You, you could see Zack getting a win by Ooh. making Edwards tap. I could see Edwards defeating Haste to get a title shot against Zack Sabre Jr. Because I don't really think Moose and Zack Sabre Jr. is a really viable match for the 15-minute. It's mm. not really the stylistic thing. But if you did Eddie Edwards and Zack Sabre Jr., I think that could be a much more viable 10-15-minute uh, to 15 minute match. Yeah, Moose does seem the odd man out here. Although Haste, you know, does a lot of power, does a lot of surprising power moves. Like he was, he was actually picking up what you know Cobb and things like that in, the, in their match. So it was uh, pretty hysterical. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> so we'll see uh, how that one goes. And uh, then we have for the Impact World Championship big match here: Alex Shelley against Hiroshi Tanahashi. Wherever Tanahashi goes, he challenges for the big belt. And uh, this is another example right here. Belt him. Yeah. What's that now? Belt him. Give him the title. You think Tanahashi wins the I Impact Championship? No, I don't think he does, but I think you should put the title on him. Tell me why. It's far more interesting than Alex Shelley. I know that there is a Josh Alexander story. I know that there's a couple other things, but there were people advocating it, and they convinced me back at the other Multiverse United when Hiroshi Tanahashi ended up challenging for the title when uh, Josh Alexander was out. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi should not be winning the IWGP title or any singles titles elsewhere. But if he were to win the Impact World Championship, it would increase his viability both here and in New Japan in a way that is actually kind of valuable. Also raises the value of the Impact World Championship. I think that's what I was going to ask. To the Impact audience, would that help? I think it would. I think... I think Hiroshi Tanahashi and Alex Shelley, there are only a few people that Hiroshi Tanahashi could arguably beat in 2023 and feel like, okay, yeah, he could beat that guy for the world title. Sam, Sam and Mel, if you're watching here still, uh, I'd be interested to hear what you, what you think about this. I know you're more in tune to Impact than I am. Again, nothing against Impact, but I don't have time to watch it all the time. Mm -hmm. do, do you feel there, uh, I'm asking the power bombshells, if... Uh, Tanahashi winning this title would help. Would it mean a lot to the impact audience? Is there a lot? Do you feel there's a lot of overlap to where a Tanahashi title run, even if it's brief, would help it out? I'd be interested to hear your comments about that in the in the chat, and we'll put them up here on the YouTube if we uh, if we get an answer. Uh, and of course, if not, you know, you can always just. Uh, I'm sure they might cover it uh, on uh, Power Bombshells, which is at one o'clock Eastern. It's noon here, which is why I had noon in my head. Noon here. But this is Central. me advocating for them to have Hiroshi Tanehashi win this match for a brief title run while he has the Never Six Man titles, there is mm. absolutely no harm to it whatsoever. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. So just some thoughts about so that. There's, and there's one more match potentially, and that's the four-way that there has not been announced. Yeah, we keep hearing uh, rumors, and, and you said might be finalized on Impact TV, about Julia defending the uh, strong women's title against uh, – possibly Giselle Shaw, Deanna Parazzo, and Momo Kogo from the uh, Stars faction there in stardom. So the, we're expecting some sort of announcement involving some or all of those women at some point. We uh, we do expect Julia to be in Philadelphia uh, at the 2300 Arena this weekend, which is pretty exciting. So we only, only have one of the best in the world coming. Nothing wrong with that, right? Yeah. 
So, yeah, there you go. So uh, we have some other events coming up. Just want to mention up here uh, in the future. Uh, Tamashi is coming back. Sydney, Australia, September 15th. That's the first time we've had a Tamashi event in a, a little while there. Uh, no matches announced formally for that, but you, uh, I would expect, uh, Jeremy, we would see Kosei Fujita mm-hmm. off on excursion, probably Robbie Eagles. Hanare? Uh, a good bet there, yeah. And and I'm excited to hear that when I go to uh, Vegas and see them on uh, October 28th, there at Sam's Town Live. Uh, rumor is that's when we're going to get Hanari and uh, yeah, Eddie yeah, that Kingston. Sounds, that sounds like a fantastic match. I'm really happy for you as well. Um, oh, other- good. I'm sorry. Before we got uh, Mel answered from Power Bomb Shows here. So Tanahashi is the ace of the universe. He can help Impact for a while and take her easy until Wrestle Kingdom. So validated, uh, absolutely yeah, validated. Yeah. Vindicated. That's, uh, that's her two cents right there. We appreciate it, Mel. Thank I feel you. like the dude from uh, from Tomorrow Never Dies or the the first Bond. Like <laughs> I am invincible, and then he's no. Like, <laughs> I just you know I again it's it's not it's no insult to Impact at all. I understand there's terrific talent there. I don't have always I don't always have time to watch it, so I don't know how in tune with that uh that whole thing it is i know people have certainly been on excursion there and things so that was certainly the fans are aware of new japan i just didn't know if tanahashi would i keep my toes dipped in that impact world a little bit there's another show coming up uh we'll probably get to talking about it next week but i'm going to read you off this lineup of the the rev pro show on august 26th with quite an overlap of new japan yeah a lot of talent on this one jj gale versus kose fujita you got mm-hmm. Dan Maloney of Bullet Club versus Leon Slater. You've got a Rev Pro undisputed British women's title three-way match. Alex Windsor is the champion versus Mickey James versus Hyen. You've got a tag team. This one's interesting. El Fantasmo and Katsuyori Shibata versus Bullet Club War Dogs of David Finley and Gabe Kidd. Hmm. Whew. That's gonna that's gonna be an interesting one. Yeah. Uh, subculture: Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews, formerly right. of NXT. UK. Such a good team. They, they are really fantastic. good. They're true. They were a gem of NXT UK when they were when they were there. And Which was a gem of a show, by the way. NXT UK was fabulous almost the entire time it ran. Uh, it pour one out for NXT UK. Gunther yeah. and uh, Gunther and Dragonov to cap it off looks fantastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so they're going to face the velocities of Jude London and Paris De Silva. We also have a singles match of Tomohiro Ishii versus Luke Jacobs, R.I.P. Luke Jacobs. Uh, <laughs> we hardly I, knew ye. Oh, we got another singles match of Zack Saber Jr. versus Ricky Knight Jr. And then we have a rematch of one of the best feuds of 2021, which is Shingo Takagi versus Will Ospreay. Mm, yeah. And then main eventing the show... I'm not sure main eventing, but closing off the show is Michael Oku as the champion versus Trent Seven. Best uh, best wishes, by the way, to Will Ospreay. Let's hope he doesn't hurt himself in the Shingo match because he has about 240 pounds to carry at uh, the uh, wow. Stadium show <laughs> where he has to haul around what's I will, I will tell you, only in his dreams is this a nightmare because <laughs> from my understanding, this is the match that Will Ospreay has wanted for a very long time. I am a little shocked that it is not for that uh, NJPW UK championship. Is that a tell as to the outcome of this match? I don't take it seriously. Just for humor me for two minutes. (laughs) Can Will sit still long enough for him to do that stupid back 
elbow that takes 20 minutes to get there for Jericho right there, that Judas effect thing. That Hidden blade for the, the Judas effect. Do you have oh. it? Do you have it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you imagine a sequence where Will is going for the hidden blade and Chris Jericho hits the Judas effect right before he hits the hidden blade? He would have to start the Judas effect three moves early in order to, because he's moved so fucking slow to get there. Wow. Did you have Mexican food right now? Because you were spicy. Yeah, I'm telling you. I just, I, it's going to uh, be a one and done. In my mind, Will Ospreay should be winning this match and there should be no question about it. My misgiving, and this is all based out of AEW Dynamite, is that I do not like that Will Ospreay, who is one of the best wrestlers in the world, is being treated as a goon for Don Callis to exact his feud for Chris Jericho. Don Callis, I don't care if the narrative is that he has hired Will as an assassin, he is paying him a lot of money to take out Chris Jericho, all well and good. There is a way to portray Will Ospreay. And I feel like they are missing the boat on it because they feel like there is already free money and putting Will Ospreay in the near main event of Wembley with Chris Jericho. Now, I don't know how you portray this guy as a heel on the show when he is going to be cheered out of this goddamn mind yeah. at Wembley. 80,000 people losing their mind for their boy, Will Ospreay, coming out there and showing everybody. You, you can't lose that. You can't lose to Chris Jericho at Wembley. I don't know. I, I, I can't, I'm saying it out loud. And I'm just yeah. like, oh, no, you cannot do that. I don't know. So, and said, if Will has wanted it, then fair enough. I sure as hell wouldn't have booked it either. Yeah, I wouldn't either. And they said, how apparently, else is Jericho going to get 80,000 people to sing Judas at Wembley Stadium? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, let's see. Uh, this better be the last match before the main event going to Vegas. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's puzzling for a lot of reasons. The face, the baby face, uh, the heel dynamic is incorrect. But again, we're talking about Tony Khan here, yeah. who is still... I Fantasy think he's booking only, New Japan Pro Wrestling at every opportunity. Yeah, and I think he's only made it to 2018 when he is looking through the archives of New NJPW World because he still thinks Suzuki and Tanahashi are the main thing guys from from New Japan. So uh, it's it's just very, I just I don't strange. like I don't like him being treated as a second in a stable and he's doing this for the money and then he's going to go to Wembley and get cheered out of his mind. The whole thing just doesn't work for me. But I know that they have him and they have this show and they slap together a story that somewhat makes sense that still focuses on Chris Jericho as the star. But if you have Will Ospreay and you have two tapings to get this guy over before you go and put him in the semi-main event of this show, it's like you got to do better than this if you think that this is going to be a viable guy to build around in the future. You just got to. I'm very curious, by the way, to see just how much they're paying attention to British culture and if they actually do have the sing-along to Sweet Caroline before the main event, because you do that in England. Uh, that's one of the things you do at boxing events and, uh, and mm. things. You, you, you have the little little pause, a little moment there before the main event. You play Sweet Caroline and everybody in the building sings along with it in front of 80-some thousand, 85. It's incredible that AEW has managed to sell that many tickets, most of which came out before the card was announced. Brilliant work by everybody at AEW to get this thing done. And, uh, you know, the, the I mean, I'm bitching about this match, yes, but what an event this is going to be. It's going to be fantastic. And it's just going to be a thrill. And uh, I hope to see that because I think that would be a real blast if they did. There is, there is another match that I wanted to know if you think that there are going to be New Japan talent involved in and that is the 
anarchy in the arena stadium stampede oh. match mm. between the best friends orange cassidy uh the lucha bros eddie kingston and then the blackpool combat club so it's a six on six with three people not yet announced now there are mm. two scenarios uh one I kind of came up with, and one that was discussed with uh, on Paul Fontaine and Jeff Hawkins, the Dynamite Show, the recap last night. And the first one is Shooter, Shota, Umino, and two other people. Those two other people could be Santana and Ortiz. But Ooh, I, don't know, I would like that. But is it possible that those three people could be Zach Saber Jr., Shane Hayes, and Mikey Nichols of TMDK? Zach in Anarchy in the Arena or the stadium or whatever they're going to call it there, that I don't know if that works as well, Zach. Uh, I mean, I guess he could do it. I mean, he's certainly talented enough to do just about anything, but I, I don't see him as being in a stadium stampede type of situation. It just seems like an odd fit for Zach. Shota, yeah, I could absolutely see that. Uh, I, yeah, I don't, oh boy. Hmm. You see another match that you could potentially see Zach Saber in? Well, I mean, you, you could put them in with a lot of different people and it'd be pretty damn good. Unfortunately, one of them's got a broken arm, but uh, the, the one that I was hoping for. <laughs> but uh, the, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things. You, you could do a lot of things with Zach. I mean, you could put him in with a lot of the great workers and AEW would be excited. I don't know if he's going to be on the card. Like, yeah, I don't know. That I, I have either. no idea, but it seems like. But it seems to, he's, he's at the Rev Pro show the night before, he said, though, right? He's at the Rev Pro show the night before. It may yeah, take a ton of sense to you. Firmly in Ring of Honor plans right now, according to the tapings that they did going into uh, going into because they did Ring of Honor tapings last night at the Dynamite show because their whole schedule goes wonky traveling to traveling to uh, the UK. So I don't know, but there are, but if there's any other New Japan talent, I would think that Zack Saber Jr. is like, how do you miss on getting this guy on your show, especially if you're using him regularly? I'll come to your tape. Shoto Amino makes a ton of sense. I, I I would be, I'd almost be surprised if it weren't him. Yeah. Uh, as far as who else would be there, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm puzzled. I, 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 I heard a suggestion of Minoru Suzuki and because Suzuki is the mentor of Ren Narita, who is currently in a blood feud with Shota Umino, I would be incredibly disappointed in the, you know, nerd chronology aspect of it. That something was <laughs> so uh, blatantly ignored. Yeah. But it has been ignored in the past with a forbidden door. Uh, Tony Khan really does like the fan book, New Japan Pro Wrestling, according to his whims when he gets his hands on those guys. So uh, I'm not confident that it's going to make a whole lot of sense if there are random three people in there, Shota and two other random people. But, you know, Tony's show and the, the thing damn near sold out. Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of things they could do. It doesn't necessarily have to be New Japan talent in there. But yeah, Omino makes a heck of a lot of sense. So. so there's one more show in here that has been announced. Yeah, the Copper Box Arena. We have Royal Quest 3, October 14th. And uh, the only thing we can suspect on this one is that we will likely see that UK title defended by Will Ospreay there, probably the Yoda-Suji match. Mm -hmm. uh, Yoda, of course, had a lot of his uh, excursion take place in uh, England, in the UK area, uh, all around. So he makes a lot of sense as the challenger for the UK title for this one. That's where he was before he went down to Mexico. So 
yeah, Royal Quest 3, Copper Box Arena in London. I would suspect Osprey versus uh, Suji on top. And then who else? Uh, who knows what else? I mean, the, we saw one of the best matches of the entire year there last year when we saw Aussie Open and FTR at a Royal Quest show. Oh, I bet the uh, the Mighty Don't Kneel versus Fishmon might be there. That could very well be a place where you could have that match. Yeah, that's that would be a very good choice on that one. Uh, but, uh, you know, that there's there's just a lot of uh, interesting shows. So we have the Destruction I'm hope, I'm also. Tour. I, I also want to mention for that for the October 28th show in Vegas, not announced but suspected, is the uh, match. Uh, that's a place where they could do the strong titles, uh, the strong yes. tag team titles there. That that could be the match uh, with Hikaleo and El Fantasmo challenging for those. That was hinted at at the G1 finals, and that could be the place where that match. So is. we're looking at Destruction and Kobe being headlined with Evil versus Sonata. We're looking at Royal Quest having. Jeff Cobb and Naito and potentially um, Will Ospreay and Yoda Suji. Then we're going to be going to... Could they be doing Jeff Cobb and Naito at, uh, in Vegas? Because I know they advertised Naito for that show. Maybe. I mean, that's possible. I mean, keep in mind, there's, I think it's just a single match. There's no titles or anything on the line. I think we also have to get through a King of Pro Wrestling show at some point in the fall, too. So there's, there's plenty of places to do things like that. And I, I think a Naito Cobb main event with the title shot at Wrestle Kingdom, that feels more like a Japan main event to me. Uh, If they want, if they want to give Naito a consequential match, I know that they did a consequential Okada match in the fall before he had his campaign against Jay White uh, this past year. There was there was a show. And so they like to do those kind of matches and they like to they tease things and give it a little bit of consequence. And knowing that that is just a stipulation that likely is just an obstacle for Naito to overcome, it doesn't really seem like... It seems like it's very possible that Naito could be having that match in Vegas. Uh, just based off of other shows that have gone to and the level of the 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 top heavy aspect of the main event. I wouldn't complain about seeing it live. Yeah. Let's it'd be great. Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. So yeah. We gotta we gotta get a bunch of comments and then wrap this thing up. Yeah, let's do that because there's been some good stuff on here. And it's worth noting too, uh an important thing going on is the how impact books their women's division. Uh, Vankin mentioned I hear women uh impact will books the women's division better than AEW and WWE. Mel uh, mentions truth. I keep them on my DVR and we dip in. And Colin says that Scott Demore uh knows what he's doing with the women's division. So that's that's healthy for the entire business. And and they have uh, some good talent over there in their, on the women's side. So if uh, Julia gets involved with uh, Giselle Shaw, Deanna Parasso, Momokogo, I think that some real good things could come out of that. So, yeah. I definitely uh, and- think that it, if that match happens on Sunday night, I think that there will be very clear conversations about the direction of who Julia faces next come Monday morning. Yeah, and uh, you know, of course, we, we, like we mentioned, we know that uh, Mercedes Monet is where they eventually want to go with that. And uh, anybody that's a fan of wrestling you know, wants them to go that direction as well. I certainly do. And uh, Venkin says subculture one of the best things of NXT UK. Yeah, man, that was a good show. You're right. Pour I one like out for subculture NXT more than I like what culture, but I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and uh, so we've got a lot of big events coming up. And next week, of course, we'll be reviewing those two shows. We'll talk all about Multiverse United two and all-star junior festival and what wackiness i got to see and what uh, impact new japan stories jeremy got to see and uh, we'll be looking ahead to what's next because not too long after that 
the road to destruction shows begin up again in Japan as uh, some a series of house shows go on, some of which will be on NJPW World for us to view as they lead up to the big event in Kobe. So, yeah, lots of lot to come, lot to come. Been a journey. We're going to keep on rolling. And uh, just another good week in New Japan, man. Just kind of basking and, you know, good vibes out of the G1. I generally had no issues with the rebuild era of the G1. Um, having conversations with a few other people about, you know, taking it down to six people at bracket or, you know, going 11. It's like there are mathematical issues about the scale of matches per people and time that as much as we hate four brackets with eight people in it, logistically, it makes a lot of sense. And uh, hopefully we get better narratives and better stories out of the booking next year that, that make people happy. Yeah. And, you know, it's I, I mean, I believe in ghetto. I, I believe the ghetto is still has I, I don't think the well has run dry at all on ghetto. I feel think he has a lot of great stories to tell us. And I think he will right there. So, yeah, lots to come. And also, Jeremy, I wanted to mention, because a couple of weeks ago here, you said that you would like to know more about the history of Toru Yano. A little bit <laughs> because, you, because we've been talking about him being the clown prince of New Japan and that his matches in the G1 are the, the guy's nights off. And I continue to lament for the old violence violent uh Toriano and you were asking a little bit about that because I don't know if you hadn't seen a whole lot of the the mean nasty Yano well I've been putting together some research so in the coming weeks we're going to talk a little bit about the origins of Toriano and how he went from a most violent player to the uh, clown prince of new Japan wrestling and the clown prince of crime turned into the clown prince of comedy yeah because it seems strange. There was a time when he was one of the meanest, nastiest bastards in the whole company right there. It's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to imagine now, I admit. Hard to imagine now, I admit. But the difference between old Yano and new Yano is the difference between the Athletic sheep, tape and trainer's tape? The old sheep herders and the bushwhackers, for instance. <laughs> again, for people my age. And uh, if you are my age, sorry your back hurts so much. So uh, if we're ready to go on to that. Feels, uh, like, feels like the difference between athletic tape and painter's tape. <laughs> <laughs> Um, both of them use liberally in professional wrestling. So there you have it. Uh, anyway, Jeremy, anything else to add? Where, where, where people can find you? Blah, blah, blah. Share Fidestone at Twitter. I usually just talk about this show. I'm insufferable. Love me. Thank you. <laughs> and of course i'm at stephen conway 88 so i want to thank everybody who's watching live i want to thank everybody who's listening uh to us on the podcast feed we are available wherever you get your podcast but if you're listening as a podcast you already know that so we won't spend too much time on it thank you very much for joining us this week and watching us and listening to us and we will talk to you again very soon